0: It's a great day to be at church. Thanks for coming on Mother's Day. I keep telling you Pastor Almeida is coming back. Pastor Lucas did a great job today, and she is coming back, but uh, they're flying, and their flights got messed up. And if you have flown lately, you probably know it's kind of like playing Yahtzee or something, right? You just <laughs> you roll the dice, and you never know what's going to happen. So um, she should be back this coming Wednesday. Uh, but thank you guys for doing a great job today. Thank you for singing, worshiping, taking communion. Welcome to church On Mother's Day, we got all sorts of fun and awesome and important stuff going on. I want to make you aware of when you come in. We started doing these little paper. You can call it a bulletin. You can call it a program. You can call it a piece of paper with information on it. But what it is is lets you know uh, what's going on at our church. Has a little spot for you to take notes on the back, and uh, we just have this to hand to you each week as you come in. We encourage you to grab one, and uh, want to let you know it is available. Have some announcements for you. We are doing this thing we are calling the eat. In greet May 22nd, I'm going to give Pastor Lucas uh, the, the credit for that name. Uh, what this is, is it's a gathering for those of you who have been at our church six months or less, uh, or you're, you're brand new since I've been here, you know, we can even say that, because I just came in September. Um... Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have dinner at uh, Pastor Wendy and her mom Mary Ann's house. And uh, all of you who are new are invited to that. No, we would appreciate it if you would sign up in the back. There's, there's a little sheet in the lobby so we know how much food to buy. We will provide dinner that night. You'll have a chance to meet our whole staff, ask us any questions that you need to ask us. Uh, it depends on how many people we get. Uh, if the house gets too full, we won't bring like all of our board members, but if there's room for them, we'll bring them as well, and you can ask them, and you can meet some other people that are new to the church. Uh, also, find a place to get involved, so we're looking forward to that. There's a bunch of people signed up already, but if you're brand new, we'd love to have any and all of you. If someone brought you to church, drag them with you as well. They get to partake in the food, so that'll be awesome uh, we are having people vote here for election day coming up and we always make homemade cookies for them. That's kind of a touch that we do at this church. So we need you to bake some cookies. I can assure you of one thing. You don't want me baking the cookies. So, uh, actually if I bake them, I'll just go buy them from Albertsons. That's what I'll do, but that'll be a lot better if you guys just cook them for us, bake them, whatever you do with cookies. There's a sign up sheet in lobby for that as well. Uh, finally, one more thing to talk about. Uh, we are doing a water baptism, May 22nd. Now, you might think, didn't you talk about that for last week? And I did. No one signed up, so we thought that was fine. But then, last week, I had a beautiful little girl approach me and say she wanted to be baptized on May 22nd. So, uh, Pastor Olga, or Miss Olga, she doesn't like being called pastor, we here are going to baptize her. And we've got a couple other kids that have expressed interest, too. So, we are planning to baptize a few young kids on May 22nd. They want to profess their faith in Jesus uh, in front of the church. And it is going to be awesome. So, encourage you to be here that day plan on being a part of it if you are sitting here and you're like you know what? i do want to be baptized god has done a new thing i've accepted him recently we'd love to baptize you as well again sign up sheet in the back so we know who to expect in those kinds of things we'd love for you to be a part of it all right now our ushers are ready we're going to take our offering got a lot to do today yes sir oh i forgot well, no, that's at the beginning of my message. You're getting in my, I got I got that written down. Got a special announcement in a minute. <laughs> We're going to pray over our offering here. Uh, you can text to give. Uh, you can uh, give over PayPal. You can drop something in this bucket. It all goes to the same place. Thanks for being faithful to this church. Lord, thank you for this offering that is about to be given. Thank you for every person that's going to give, every person who's going to uh, who's going to be blessed by it. Lord, I pray that as engaged Boise leadership of this church, we would be faithful with what you've given us. Thank you for this incredible uh, building, giving us this property right in the middle of Boise, right in the middle of 80,000 people that need to know you. And I just pray we'd be faithful with it. You bless the gift, bless the giver. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, we'll pass that offering around now to the special announcement that Patrick was reminding me of. It is Mother's Day. So uh, in the spirit of Mother's Day, I want to let you know our men are going to cook all of us, especially the women, breakfast next Sunday during Sunday school. Can I get an amen from the women? Yeah, we like to hear that. All right. So if you've been here, you know that we remodeled the kitchen. We did all that good stuff, and uh, we are going to give that thing a uh, a proper tryout. So next Sunday during Sunday school hour, 930 to 1015, we are going to serve sourdough, sourdough pancakes, I heard something about a casserole, and I'm sure it will be good because the food here is always good. That's what we do. We come to church, and we have good food. So uh, we would love to serve you ladies next week. It is going to be awesome. If you want to help us with that, we'd love to have your help setting up chairs, tables. Uh, If you know how to cook, um, you can come find Patrick, and maybe uh, you can help cook. Again, that's just a part I'll stay away from. You'll you'll thank me for that. So uh, it's going to be awesome. Next week, 930, bring your friends and family We'll pack that place out and have breakfast together, appropriate to announce on Mother's Day. So welcome to church, Mother's Day. I'm really grateful that you chose to come to our church today. I'm grateful that if you brought your mom to church, that you brought her, I'm grateful that if your mom dragged you to church today, that you came. Uh, if you were here that much, chances are you're going to hear about families. Uh, we talk about families all the time. We believe that it's God's desire. For families to have him right in the middle of all of it. And that it's best when Jesus is in the middle of our families. Uh, We believe it's best when moms and dads have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, And we know when moms and dads know Jesus and they show Jesus to their kids, that we can save the world. As the family goes, the world goes. Now you might be wondering on Mother's Day why my wife isn't in here or even up here speaking today as part of the service. Uh, That's because she's teaching preschool class. Uh, She is going to come pray over us at the conclusion of service, Uh, but the reason she is teaching kids today is because we believe what's going on in the kids' classes is every bit as important as what's going on in here. Every bit is important. So there's my plug for helping in the kids' ministry, so you're going to probably keep hearing that. If you can help once a month in one class, we've got a nursery, preschool, and we're having uh, an adult helper in our kids' ministry, so that's 12 slots. If you can help one of those 12. We have a bunch of you that are helping already, but if you can help in one of those 12, it's so, so helpful. So that's my plug for that, but if we can save the family, we can save the world. Uh, You'll get a chance to hear from my wife in the future, but that's what she does. She sees a need, and she goes, and she tries to fill the need. Even if she has no idea what she is doing, she will go try and fill the need, and you will not stop her if she wants to try to do that. Um, One thing we're doing, you saw that stroller as you were coming in. Uh, what we were doing is we were trying to fill that stroller up with formula for an organization in Boise called Stanton Healthcare. Stanton Healthcare is a pro-life organization that encourages young moms, to, uh, single moms, to have babies and to set up terminate the pregnancy. And what they will do is provide uh, resources, supplies for the first two years of that baby's life. They'll provide adoption services if it's needed. And one thing they always need is formula. It's apparently really hard to find right now. So if you can find some... Uh, Try not to buy more than two weeks at a time, because that's all the factories can make. But bring it, put it in that stroller, and at the end of May, we are going to just take over to Stanton and bless them. And uh, we believe in in the mission that they are doing, hard work on the front lines. So uh, please be a part of that. In here today, we are talking about mothers. Like I said, I wish my wife could be in here uh, another year, I'm sure. Um, It's actually pretty healthy for you to hear your pastor's uh, position and, and, you know, hear me talk about women and mothers. I obviously am not a mother, okay? This is not that kind of church. I am not a mother. I'm a father. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get a chuckle. I knew it would. <laughs> but I do have a, a pretty good frame of reference on mothers because I was raised by a great mother. My mom's here today. Uh, my mom is, was always just fiercely devoted to my sister and to I. She raised us to know Jesus, serve him faithfully. My wife, if you've met her, you know she is fiercely devoted to our kids and to our family. Um, The two that you see raising the ruckus most often right now are John and Luke. John is just turned nine, Luke is six. Uh, They're the little balls of energy that come in here five minutes before Sunday school. John's usually got some sort of piece of sporting equipment in his hands. Uh, You never know what you're going to get with Luke. But they come bursting through the doors Uh, every time we are here. But our story is unique because we became parents to a teenager when we adopted Christina at the age of 13. She was up here uh, playing bass and singing this morning. Uh, Oh, no, she's back there. There she is. Hi, sweetheart. Talking about you today. Uh, We'd been married about a year and a half, and we decided to take this on. It's a super long and super cool and super God-ordained story. But we'd been married about a year and a half, and all I can tell you is at the time, it felt like the most natural thing in the world. We just felt like we were supposed to do it, and she'd been a part of our youth group. And... um, crazy, amazing, God-ordained story. It's really long, Uh, so we'll do it another time. But I will tell you this about my wife. God put it in her heart to adopt a teenage girl way before he put it in my heart. Um, And God eventually did speak to me as well, but I can say 100% certainty Uh, it was in her heart before it was ever in mine. Uh, She was fiercely devoted to that thing that God had put inside her. And to take a teenager in at 13 and do a good job, you have to be fiercely devoted to the kid. (laughs) getting laughs from my family over here. <laughs> I really believe there's uh, a place for that story within the context of our church sometime, and, and it'll be awesome when we do it. But I bring it up today because today's the day to celebrate mothers, and great women in our lives. Number one, to brag on my wife and the mother of my kids. She doesn't ever ask for or take credit. In fact, she kind of actively runs the other way, if you ever try and do that. Uh, but she does a great job. Uh, so, grateful to have her in my life. Um, She's a great mom to all three of our kids. But second, I think it's important for you to understand this morning that not every story looks the same. Not every story looks the same when it comes to moms and women and children. I know in a room like this, there's all types of stories. There's blended families, divorce and remarriage, right? There's families who are struggling to have kids. There are those who are looking to uh, find the right person to spend the rest of their lives with so they can have kids and do it the way that God uh, lays it out for us. There's parents in this place with children, and, and they're struggling with the path those children are on, and their heart breaks. There's more than one type of story. And I believe that God wants every woman in this place to know that you have value, Regardless of what the world says about who you are or what you should and shouldn't do, God loves you and you have value. And it's not attached to uh, Instagram views or or any of that stuff. God loves you and you have value. You're You're his beloved daughter. And he has a plan and purpose for your life. If you read the Bible, you'll see that women and moms are at the center of God's story. I think we do it a disservice when we uh, don't talk about it. And I don't want to keep you too long today, but I do want to encourage you. I want to talk to you about, I think, a non-traditional mother story in the Bible. Now, when we talk about the Christian faith, there are certain heroes of the faith that are integral to it, right? If you talk about being a Christian and you go to church, you're going to hear about some certain people. We've been teaching out of Ephesians lately. We're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 3 next week. And Ephesians it was written by this hero of the faith named Paul, also known as Saul. Right? He wrote m- most of the New Testament. He was the one who was tasked with taking the gospel to the Gentiles far and wide. It had just been for the Jewish people. And Paul was tasked with letting the Ephesians, the, the Gentiles know, hey, you can know Jesus in the same way. We talked uh, when I first got here in the fall about David. We've been teaching out of the Psalms on Wednesday night. David, of course, uh, is involved in one of the most famous Bible stories there ever is, right? He killed Goliath. Uh, he delivered the Israelites from the Philistines. And David was known as what? A man after God's own heart. And since it's Mother's Day, we should mention Esther, the heroine of an entire book of the Old Testament. Just an incredible story. But even farther back, if you get in your way back machine, there's Moses who originally led the Israelites out of captivity. The one man who God chose to begin to bring, his king, bring about his kingdom on earth. Moses, he's at the center of a whole bunch of important parts of the Old Testament story. We talked on Easter a few weeks ago about the first Passover, about how God used Moses to deliver his message to Pharaoh. Right? Pharaoh, let my people go. That was the message. How Moses was the one to deliver the message to the Israelites to place the blood of a spotless lamb on the doorframe. And when the angel came, the Israelite households would be spared from the firstborn son dying. Now, right after that, Moses led the people out of Egypt to the edge of the Red Sea. These are all, if you've been in church, familiar stories. If not, you're like, what are you talking about? This sounds like the craziest movie I've never seen before. It is kind of like that. And it was Moses in Exodus chapter 14 who would stretch his hand out at God's command over the waters of the Red Sea. And he'd watch the waters part. One of my favorite scriptures is when they walk up to the edge and they're wondering what to do. And God says, uh, you need only to be still. I will fight for you. It was Moses to whom God would deliver the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. It's hard to find someone more important besides Jesus to the story of God's people. But if we go clear back before that, before all of that time Moses was born, we see that none of it happens without this courageous woman named Jochebed. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. Exodus chapter 1 is where we're going to start this morning. First thing we see out of Exodus this morning is this. Behind every world changer is a world-changing woman. So to set the stage for you, the Israelites, they were in captivity to the Egyptians This was before the first Passover that we just talked about, before the parting of the Red Sea, before the Ten Commandments, before all of that stuff. So let's read together if you have your Bibles, uh, Exodus 1, 8 through 14, just to give you some context. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them. Or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And built Pithom and Ramis, the store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So a couple things here. Egypt had been overtaken by this new ruler. Uh, This ruler, if you go read the history, the ruler had come from outside Egypt. And the Israelites, if you read the end of Genesis, they had found favor in Egypt and they had flourished because of a godly man named Joseph. But this new Egyptian pharaoh, he felt like the Israelites were taking over. We read it right there, right? If we let these guys keep growing, they're going to join against us, and they're going to overthrow us. He tried to enslave them, but it only made them stronger. In the next section, we won't take the time to read today, but verses 15 through 21, the king instructs the Egyptian midwives to kill every Israelite male that is born. Just a brutal plan. And at first, it's in a bit of a covert way. He's commanding the midwives just to let the Hebrew boys die when they're being born. But even at this point in history, there were people who understood the sanctity and the importance of human life. Now, reason, Exodus 117 uh, tells us very simply that they feared God. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. If you read through it, it tells them they came up with this creative explanation that the Israelite women were too strong and they were having the babies before uh, the midwives could get there. But these women, they were willing to risk being killed by Pharaoh to do what they believed was right, to value life and to not kill the Hebrew boys, Israelite boys. Now, when this plan doesn't work, the king, he issues this edict that every single male baby that's born must be thrown straight into the Nile River. Exodus one twenty two. then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Again, a brutal strategy, but it would be effective if, if you could pull it off. Now, this sets up this courageous act of Jacob, Moses' his mother. We read about it in Exodus 2.1-4. Uh, we'll read that. Let's read that together. As always, I'm reading out of the NIV here, As usual, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Now, we already know the man that Moses would turn out to be. We talked about it. He's the one who stretches his hands out over the Red Sea, and they parted. He's the one who received the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai. The reason we touched on that a bit was so you would understand who Moses was and that you would understand how much of a world changer that Moses was. But behind the world changer was his courageous mother, Jacobite. Her name isn't mentioned here, but we're told her name a few chapters later in Exodus chapter 6. But I want you to see her bravery. First of all, she bore a son, and then she just disregarded the decree of the king. Her son was precious to her, just like our kids are all precious to us. Her son was precious to her. So she kept him hidden for about three months. You know how babies are cute and cuddly for the first little while, the first three months, right? And you can just scoop them up at any time and take them wherever you want to. You can set them down these days in a carrier when you need a rest and you don't have to worry too much about them going anywhere. But every baby gets to the point where you can't do that anymore. Right? Uh, Again, I'm not a mother, but I do have some good perspective having raised some little boys, raising little boys. Uh, Our son, John 4, that's what we call him. He's John Eugene Heisel IV. Uh, He, John 4, was a terrible sleeper. Like there's bad sleepers and then there's John 4. He was an awful sleeper. And uh, for the first few months, you could just hold him all the time. But once he got big enough, right, it, like, you had to do something else. You just couldn't hold him. Eventually, my wife went back to work. And it was my job to take care of John 4 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This is before we had Luke and Christina was in high school. So uh, during, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I was working at a church full time. And I, my job was to take him with me to the church. And I had all the stuff. I had, a, you know, baby monitors and I had a packing plate at the church. I had all the stuff I needed to have. But John four, he got to about this point when Moses Scott, he's about three months old, and the kid just he just would not be quiet. My the only respite I could possibly have, like all night long, we would be up and down and up and down. And Shandra would go to work, and I'd be so tired. I I usually took the, uh, the I am more of a night owl, so I would take the like ten p.m. to two or three a.m., and then she would take the like three a.m. to seven a.m. But I was so tired, and the only way I could get that kid to be, to be calm in the morning at all is I would take him, and uh, we had a, a swing, you know, and uh, there was this uh, DVD out at the time by Bethel Worship, and it was this whole album, and uh, it started in the daylight, and the sun went down, and uh, it was all these awesome songs, and I would put John Ford in his swing, and I would turn that thing on. i turned turn that DVD on I said quiet, and that was one thing that would quiet him down. And to this day, when I hear those songs... Like, I remember those moments, and I would just lay there on the couch and, like, take the 45 minutes (laughs) of quiet, right? I would have it just loud enough he could hear it, just quiet enough so I could sleep, right? Steal some time. But that's about the time when uh, the age that Moses was here, the time when you just can't keep him quiet anymore unless you got tricks. And they didn't have DVDs and swings back in the day. Moses had just gotten too big, too noisy for her to keep him secret. So, Jacobed does something courageous. She comes up with a plan to preserve the life of her precious son, who she believes God has given her. You see, Jochebed had faith that God had a plan for her son. And despite the plans of the earthly king, Jochebed believed that there was something better. And in turn, she acts in faith to save his life. There's three things in verses three and four that show us how much Jacob had had thought through this plan. The first thing is this. She constructs this basket that's strong enough and watertight enough that she can set it afloat in a river. Not just a river, but the Nile River. If you don't know that much about the Nile River, I'm just going to tell you, it's probably not like the Boise River. I haven't been there, uh, but I know uh, just by reading about it. The Nile River is known for being wild, full of things like crocodiles, and cobras, and you might not know, but hippos are some of the most dangerous animals on earth. Known for being full of these things called giant fish. we actually call them piranhas. Giant, like meat-eating fish with sharp teeth. This is the type of river that she sets them in. I read while studying this week that, and it kind of stuck with me, that this was kind of like an act of defiance uh, towards the king of Egypt. Interactions, right? The king of Egypt had said, "What? Throw all the Hebrew boys into the river." So into the river he went. She said, "Okay, I'll I'll put him in the river. I'm just going to cocoon him in the safest possible carrier she could come up with." No, I imagine now. I sometimes I see these like little baby pictures where people will like set their baby in the edge of river and they'll take pictures with the parents just out of the frame, right? This is not what this was. She set the kid afloat in the middle of the Nile River. Interestingly, also the Hebrew word uh, that's interpreted basket can also be interpreted ark. In fact, whichever version you have in your Bible, it might actually say ark. The only other place where this word is used in all of the Old Testament is in the account of Noah's ark in Genesis chapter 6. So just as God saved his people in Genesis 6 with an ark, he would save his people now in the Nile River with an ark. The second thing to note is that she apparently sets her son free afloat in an area where she knows that he's going to be found. Now, the Egyptians, they would have used specific parts of the Nile River to bathe in. And so though it was certainly still water that could be crocodile, giant tiger fish infested, it was a spot where she knew the Egyptian royalty probably would be. Man, what incredible deep love on this mom's part, on Jacobette's part. She's essentially saying, if I can't raise my son, I'm going to get him to someone who can. God has a purpose for this kid's life, and I'm going to get him to someone who can raise him. Her son was precious to her, but she had to do something courageous in order for him to fulfill his destiny. Third, Moses' mother sends a lookout to unobtrusively keep track of what's happening. I believe this tells us that Jacob had fully expected her son to live. She would not have sent uh, Moses' sister down there just to see him die. We're going to see as we continue reading too that Jacobed's daughter, Moses' sister, ends up being strategically, perfectly placed for this moment. You see moms, grandmothers, moms who are yet to be because you're still looking for the right spouse, behind every world changer is a courageous woman. And even though I and not a mom, I can relate to you for sure, that it takes courage to raise kids in this day and age. It takes courage, man. You walk outside the door and it takes courage. You open up your phone or you turn on the news, you know that it takes courage. Sometimes you have to make decisions when it comes to your kids that will seem difficult. And others may even look at you sideways for the decisions you're making. But if God made you to be a mother, or a grandmother or to be taking care of any kids, then he has equipped you with the knowledge that you need to raise those kids. God gave you the kids. He has equipped you to raise the kids. Now, we generally get longer with our kids than Jochebed did with Moses. But every mother has to release their kids into the wild at some point. And that takes some courage. It's not exactly setting them afloat in the Nile River, but in our day and age, it kind of feels like that Sometimes. But when you do what God is asking you to do, and you love on your kids as deeply as you can for every single moment you have them, then God does an amazing thing. And that takes us to the next chapter, next, next, next aspect of the story of Moses' his mother. And that's this, God directs the river where he wants. As we read these few verses we're about to read, listen for how God guides this entire scenario. Listen for examples of the incredible kindness that we know our God for. Exodus 2, 5 through 10. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Jacobed, mother of Moses, she has courageously set her son free floating down the Nile River. And God's plan for the redemption of Israel is floating down the Nile in a wicker basket. But you see, God moves the river just how he likes. First, we see this Egyptian princess, Pharaoh's daughter, right? She comes down to the river. She is the daughter of the murderous king of, of Egypt who he has decreed that every Hebrew male be killed. She goes down to the river to bathe at just the right spot. By the way, I should have mentioned earlier the Nile River is over 4,000 miles long. She sees the basket. She sends one of her servants to get it. And logic tells us that Moses should be in just as much danger in the hands of Pharaoh's daughter as he was floating down the river. You got murderous crocodiles, murderous piranhas, and murderous kings all around. But she opens the basket and she looks inside. And she sees a baby crying. Now make no mistake, she knew exactly what she was looking at. By that I mean, she knew that it was a Hebrew baby and not an Egyptian one. If she didn't know simply because of the circumstances, which she probably would have because what Egyptian would send their child floating down the Nile River, she would have known for sure after seeing the baby was circumcised. The Egyptians didn't do that. And at that moment, staring into the eyes of this helpless baby boy, Processing everything that is going on. Instead of obeying her father's command, the king's command. She decides in that moment she's going to adopt this baby as her son. We've talked before about how there were Gentiles who were a part of God's plan, even in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, died and rose again. And here we see it. A good, a God-honoring Egyptian princess who was a Gentile who valued life and became a part of God's saving plan. You see friends, moms, grandmas in this place. God directs the river wherever he wants. Next incredible thing we see, it happens in verse 7. And Moses' sister, who Jochebed had strategically placed among the reeds, uh, who, by the way, was probably about seven at this time. So put this plan together in your mind. She sends her seven-year-old daughter down to the reeds to hide and try and do this covert action. I'm just imagining sending my six-year-old down to do anything secret. (laughs) No chance, right? (laughs) Absolutely no chance. But Moses' sister, she walks up at just the right time. And surely this Egyptian princess, she's trying to figure out how she's going to pull this off, right? She sees this baby. She knows she can't kill it. She wants to adopt it, but she knows if her dad finds out, he's just going to throw the baby into the Nile. And she's standing there thinking, how am I going to get away with this? And here comes the Hebrew slave girl, the seven-year-old, <laughs> at just the right time. And Pharaoh's daughter, who was supposed to kill the baby, she sends for the Hebrew woman to nurse it instead. Of course, Moses' sister, again, she's seven, so I just I imagine she had to be smiling about this, right? Moses' sister had exactly the right person in mind. And you can just imagine her running back to her mom, Jacobed. Mom, you're not going to believe this. That crazy plan we came up with, you know, the one where you put my brother in the basket and then I went and hid in the reeds? You know that whole deal? It worked. <laughs> the princess came down and they asked me to come get someone to feed him. And I came to get you and they don't even know. I can just see it in my mind's eye, right? Moses' mother who carefully waterproofed this basket as best she could, and she sent her son down the river. Scarcely probably being able to even believe it as she followed her daughter back. If she's like most of us, blinking away tears, probably not even daring to hope that it could be true. Probably so proud of her seven-year-old who just pulled off this crazy plan that they came up with, right? Man, but also realizing as she walks up and she sees her precious son that God moves the river however he wants. And in this moment, Jochebed, she was seeing come to fruition this concept that we as Christians were all learning day by day. And that's that God gives his people the desires of their hearts according to his good and pleasing and perfect will. You see, mothers in this place, God hears your deepest desires that you have for your kids, the things that are hidden deep inside of your hearts that only you know, the desires you have for your kids. He hears those, and he knows those. And he has for them a plan and a future. Not only is Jacobed's son returned to her, the Egyptian princess is going to pay her to raise her own son. Some of you are like, where do I sign up for this? (laughs) Where do I get paid to do all the hard parts? Verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. And Moses, in his most formative years, will be raised with his own family among God's people, laying the foundation for him to lead God's people out of Egyptian captivity. And when the child was old enough, probably a few years in this culture, the way it worked, he was adopted into the Egyptian royal family. And instead of growing up as a slave, like the other Hebrews, he received the best education the world had to offer at the time. And understand this, Pharaoh's own people taught Moses the skills that he would eventually use to lead millions of people out of Egypt. Not only lead them out of Egypt, but they taught him the skills that he would use to crush the Egyptian army. All because of a courageous mother and her young daughter. You see, God moves the river wherever he wants. Speaking of that, young daughter, I want to pinpoint one thing that I think is significant this morning. I don't see my wife in here yet. Could one of you guys go find her for me and tell her it's time to do the thing? Thank you, guys. <laughs> I didn't tell her a specific time. So, Speaking of that, young daughter, I want to point, point out one more thing that I think is significant this morning, and that is the identity of Moses' sister. We've just been calling her, Moses' sister, and and that's what it calls her here. But we learn later on in Exodus chapter 15 that Moses' sister was named Miriam. Now Miriam, if you read the Old Testament, she was a prophetess. She turned out to be one of the more revered women in all of the Old Testament. Along with her brothers, Moses and Aaron, she would eventually help lead the Israelites out of captivity. At the crossing of the Red Sea, that story we mentioned earlier, it's those three that lead them across the sea and out. Exodus 15 finds them singing a song, if you go read it, celebrating their deliverance. It's what's known as, in Old Testament literature, the song of the sea. And out of all of the Israelites, we think there could have been anywhere from a couple hundred thousand to a couple million. We don't know exactly how many there were. But out of all of the Israelites, there's three people chosen to lead. And it was Moses who she helped save, Aaron, her brother, and Miriam. But so interesting, and I think it's worth pointing out and so important today, is that Miriam is never mentioned in the Old Testament as having a husband or having children. And there's Jewish traditions that will insist, and they'll try and claim that she did marry because they can't reconcile their mind that she didn't. But that's not in the Bible, and it's flimsy at best. So Miriam, though she's not mentioned as a mother, she has as much to do with the story of Moses' rescue as anyone. So this morning, now this is a day that's traditionally hard for you because you don't have children or your family hasn't turned out how you'd hoped. I believe would God, have us, God would have us hear from him in this story of Miriam and Moses that he moves the river as he pleases. And he can and he will use you to take care of his children with courage and in powerful ways. So even if you're here this morning and you don't fulfill the traditional role of mother, we said at the beginning you are precious in God's sight you are his beloved daughter you hold incredible value to him and behind every world changer is a courageous woman doesn't have to be a mother necessarily but behind every world changer is a courageous woman and as the author of one of the books I was reading this week said you know Pharaoh spent all his time worrying about the Hebrew boys right he came up with these brutal plans to kill every Hebrew boy but considering the courage of Jacobet and Miriam maybe he should have spent more time worrying about the Hebrew girls instead of the Hebrew boys (laughs) like we said at the beginning not every story looks the same Mary the mother of Jesus she didn't exactly have a conventional story when it came to being Jesus' mother but God used her to bring his son to earth and he's created each woman here to be loving and courageous in their own way whether your story is conventional or not that's what god is calling you to do to love to be courageous to send your kids out into the world with faith when it's time god will take care of the rest and he will move the river wherever he pleases he will have my wife join me right now and this is how we're going to close I'm just going to have her pray over us I'm not going to call anybody out I'm not going to ask for hands raised or anything but I'm going to have her pray specifically for those that are here it's nice to see you dear how was the class awesome good to hear Um, I'm going to have her pray specifically for those in this place that uh, maybe you're trying to have kids or you're looking forward to it pretty soon I'm going to have her pray specifically for those with wayward kids man if your heart is hurting I'm going to have her pray over you I'm going to pray for those, have her pray for those looking for uh, the one to have kids with. You know, the next part of the story. But I ha- we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to have my wife who has walked um, bits and pieces of those roads. I'm going to have her pray over us this morning as we get ready to close.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for mothers. And I just want to start by thanking you for the women who have mentored me and mothered me and loved me. Each one of us, we thank you for those women who have done that for us. And God, I pray you would help me to be that for others. Lord, give me a heart to love, to mentor and to mother those who need it in my life and in my circle. God, we thank you that you're good. And Lord, we do ask you, we come to you with our needs. Lord, for women here, their greatest need, Lord, they're asking you, and they want to be a mother and they just haven't been able to conceive. God, you made our bodies and you know, you know what needs to happen and you know when we're ready and you prepare us for the things that you bring into our lives. And God, I just ask that you would give those women patience, that you would give them the fruit of the spirit as they wait on you. And I pray that you would help them to trust you for the right thing at the right time and Lord we just ask that you would would meet that need and grant them the desires of their hearts Lord whether you do that through a biological conception or an adoption whatever that looks like Lord we just ask that you would work on their hearts and I pray that you would comfort them that can be such a hard road to walk please Lord help them to tell people so they can be encouraged and loved and prayed for I pray that let the women who are struggling with that who who hear this that there would be people in their life that can love and encourage them in the times that it's hard and Lord I do I pray for women who have had kids and it's hard now maybe their kids are are not following you or maybe they're just struggling with working things out at home and there's stress and there's tension and maybe estrangement God, I just ask that you would speak to those, those mothers' hearts. I pray you give comfort and peace. You say in your word, Lord, to live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on us. And I just pray that every mother struggling with that, Lord, that you would help us to be right with you and, and right with people as far as we can be. And Lord, I pray that you'd begin to soften the hearts of those kids who are not serving you who are not in good relationship with family members. Let things be restored. God, you are the God of restoration. You're the God of healing. I pray for broken relationships. And I just pray that the conversations that need to happen in those families would happen. You would help us to come into those conversations with the mind of Christ, to be able to be gentle, not to insist on our rights, and just to love those who need to be loved we just we ask for for healing and reconciliation in families that need it and last Lord I I pray for the women who feel lonely and just haven't had the right person to come into their life feel like maybe they have it got messed up and it didn't work whether they're divorced or single or just just feeling lonely Lord I pray that you would be the answer to that loneliness today that they would be able to walk in relationship with you first and foremost. God, I pray you would grant every one of those women wisdom, that they would not be in a bad relationship that's worse than being single. And God, help them to have wisdom when they have opportunities and, and to know what's not good. And then, Lord, I pray that you would bring about good things, good relationships, good friendships that can maybe develop into more. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to live in community and in encouragement. We pray that you would help us to admit when we're struggling. So many times what we need to do is just be encouraged and let other people know when we need it. And God, we thank you that when we do that, that you meet us where we are. And I pray for every woman here that you would meet us where we are. God, we thank you that you're with us. that we really can make a difference in the lives of others. And I pray that you would just encourage us today and all the other days.